Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and we dial into episode 138. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Discover Capital One merger that just took place this week. And it's a rather busy week. We also have some commentary from the Department of Justice regarding the uh, Real Estate Brokerage Commission and their thoughts on that. We've kind of talked about that in the previous episode. So we're going to talk about those and kind of go through both those things here in this episode, as well as YouTube channel at the very end there. So I kind of want to go ahead and start with, let's start with the uh, Discover Capital One merger. You know, for me, this is fascinating. We've done multiple episodes here recently on credit card debt uh, and, the, and the usage of credit cards, uh, how to use them properly, things you can do to boost your scores from it. But this is this is big. I mean, I don't want any, I don't, I don't want to sleep on this. This is now in the making. You're seeing un, un, just happen right before us. The largest credit card company is being formed right in front of us. This merger, this acquisition, if you may, between Capital One and Discover, and effectively it's, it's Capital One taking over Discover. This is now making the largest credit card company in volume by far. And uh, it's not even close. And you know, when you take a look at this, this is an example of things that happen in market trends in an industry cycle. You know, we talk about how there's this level of calm and there's this level of uh, expansion that starts to happen. And sometimes, you know, we kind of call it from calm to peak. When the industry starts to peak, um, you start to see this next level of chaos or craziness, if you mean, happen. And that's kind of for a credit card company. You start at normal. You got your uh, people that subscribe or, excuse me, uh, fill out applications and, and they become card users. And then you start to expand through your banking channels or you expand through buying information of of creditors and putting out credit cards, and then the chaos happens. That's typically like your zero percents, your balance transfers, uh, you know, five, 10, 20 times the points. I mean, you get the picture. And then this consolidation phase starts to happen. And that's the phase we're in right now in a lot of different cycles, not just credit, uh, consumer credit cycle. I mean, it could be in the real estate cycle, it could be uh, in the housing cycle. It's also in the consumer credit cycle here and the credit card. This consolidation where people say, hey, listen, we can merge our operations and we can also effectively save money, but also become one of the largest, you know, competitors in our market, in this case, the largest. And so in this consolidation phase, I'm going to put this chart that I'm talking about, because I think it's interesting. You can apply it to anything at any time period. It's going to be on our YouTube channel at what's your one more with the number one at what's your one more with the number one. But this graph will be in there. Um, it's interesting to me because this consolidation phase, it, it, sometimes it can last six months. It could last three years. But I think we're, we're, we're probably at least you know six months to nine months involved in this just based on different industries. But this is the first major consolidation we've seen on the consumer credit side of things. And uh, I think this is a big win personally because the 800-pound the gorilla in the room has been J.P. Morgan Chase. And that hasn't even been close. Citigroup was a distant second. Now, now you've got a new player. You've got a brand new, uh, huge uh, conglomerate that's going to be there. That you know, we won't even see the the ripple effect of this really till about twenty twenty five, if you may, because of, of late twenty four and this acquisition is going to take place. So it won't really roll out till twenty five. But this is big, and I think it, it puts a lot of people on notice of what's what can come from this. And now, when you're the largest player in the market, you can kind of start to control a little bit of the market and have a lot to say, as we've seen with Jamie Dimon over JP Morgan Chase with a lot of his commentary and the things that he's done. So uh, this is an interesting one to follow. I think it's extremely beneficial. And um, for me, I, um, I'm pretty excited about it because again, competition only breeds better uh, experiences for the consumer. So this will be a fun one to watch. And you know, you can even kind of throw a little punch there and ask Jamie Dimon what's in his wallet this time. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. 
I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Let's jump into um, a little bit about the DOJ and what happened on Friday with the DOJ. For me, this is a, this is another fascinating thing because if you go back four episodes, James Kleiman was on our show. Uh, he was an editor at uh, Housing Wire, managing editor at Housing Wire magazine, and James brought a real in-depth knowledge to the Sitzer Burnett trial. And, and as you recall, if you didn't listen to that episode, that was a one of the groundbreaking trials in regards to Real Estate Brokerage Commission and the ideology that. Um, you know, brokerages that were part of the ML, their local MLS and part of NAR kind of uh, preset and predetermined commissions. And therefore that was unfair to a seller of a home. That's a really quick way of summing up that 30 minute conversation with James. But on Friday, one of the things that came out was something that James kind of warned about on that episode was the Department of Justice kind of, you know, kind of peering into that same issues and saying, well, you know, we kind of have some antitrust issues with this as well. And we don't think that this is, this is correct. He, he warned and feared that could be an issue. And sure enough on Friday, here's a, a little bit of a bombshell that hit the industry. Now, now they went into a particular case that happened before Sister Burnett at the MLS pen uh, up in New England. And so it's, it's very important that I preface this is about the pen ruling, but it was the pen ruling, the MLS pen was the first ruling that came out and it was a $3 million verdict, but it was the first ruling that came out that kind of set the ground wave for the Citra Burnett and all the copycat cases that have happened since then. And I think we're up to like 23 copycat cases right now. But the DOJ has come out and said that they they don't think that the um, the outcome of that court case was, was enough. They felt it was too laxed. Um, and that's interesting because their commentary says that no one will exercise the option to do what this court case suggests um, because they'll just find a workaround and find a way to have sellers still compensate buyers. And so they provided their own recommendation for the commission structure changes calling for an injunction that prohibits offers of buyer and broker compensation by MLS pen participants. Now remember, that's specifically for that MLS. But the fact that they're calling for an injunction on any MLS in any court case it does that, that involves real estate does kind of lead to the idea of what James was talking about on the show that this is where it could get a little ugly before it gets better. Um, this is this is not a win for the real estate industry. Um, this is actually another step backwards because now this is another battlefront that, that, that you're seeing a trend happen here. And there's a high probability that the DOJ is probably going to come in on the heels of the Sitzer Burnett, also ask for something, and on these copycat cases, do the same thing. And so the question becomes from this, what's next? And I think one of the things is we talked about value add and we talked about why it's so important to have, um, have value and be a buyer's agent and rise above uh, your peers out there. And this could potentially lead to some of that cleansing we were talking about. And um, I think that by no means does this make it 
tougher for a real estate agent, but I definitely think this creates more awareness for the consumer. And uh, I can tell you that if you're a real estate agent, pull your hot sheets and look at some of the commission structures that are on that hot sheet um, from all levels of price ranges and see what's going on in your market because I'd be willing to bet you're starting to see a little bit more of this creep on there, meaning that 0% commission side of things. Um, it is something that uh, has escalated far greater than I anticipated. Um, I, you know, I gave this like 18 months to catch wind and keep going. We're not even eight weeks past this date and now it's just one thing after another after another to where this is staying in the news and staying in the media much faster and much longer of a duration than I think anyone anticipated though. So this could change the way, uh, you know, landscape of real estate is done. We'll see. Um, but again, whenever the DOJ starts putting their nose in things, it's not a good sign. And uh, unfortunately, again, this, this is a little bit of a step back. So it'll be interesting to follow what goes from here. All right. The third thing I want to talk about was, uh, kind of YouTube. You know, we talk about our YouTube channel at What's Your One More. Um, you know, interestingly enough, like our channel has doubled in size in 90 days and I can't thank you guys enough for participating in that. But I, I would like I would like to maybe even do another challenge and see, hey, how fast can we get to 10,000 subscribers? And the reason I'm bringing that up is as we get to 10,000 subscribers, one of the things that I want to start doing, we talk a lot about credit card debt. We talk a lot about debt. Once we get to 10,000 subscribers, I want to have the ability to say, hey, listen, of our 10,000 subscribers, we're going to pull one of you off as a, as a lucky winner, and we want to pay your credit card debt for you. But we got to get to 10,000 subscribers first. We're not there yet. We're, we're getting closer by the day, but we get there. I'm going to do that. I will personally pay it on air live in person, and I look forward to getting that done. So guys, till the next episode of What's Your One More, please share this. If you like what you're hearing, uh, we're on every podcast platform you can imagine. Obviously, you just heard me talk about the YouTube channel, but if you could, if you want to leave us a review at Apple, that's the big podcast. We're looking to get all of our reviews on, five-star review, leave a recommendation there. I uh, would definitely love uh, for you guys to do that. And until the next time, we'll see you the next episode for the Lending Update with Daniel Halverson at what's your one more I got one more shot I'm gonna make it one more chance I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live so I put them all into it yeah